starting with um, a very well-known Dr. Lynn Sherat, is a highly accomplished practitioner, researcher, author, and presenter. Lynn is widely published researcher and author, as well as um, working remote in urban settings worldwide. Lynn sits on the Expert Evaluation Committee for System and School Improvement, Melbourne Graduate School of Education in Australia. She works tirelessly, focusing her time and effort on increasing each student's achievement by working alongside leaders and teachers to put faces on their data and take intentional action. Her work focuses on equity and excellence on behalf of all students. And Lynn's abstract uh, title today is Leading in Calm and Crisis. Nothing has changed and everything has changed. Welcome and thank you, Lynn, for giving up your precious time. Thanks very much. Thanks very much, Sanan and Barbara, and a special thank you to ASIL for this wonderful learning opportunity. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians as I live among the Huron Nation here on the shores of Lake Huron in Ontario. I pay my respects to the Six Nations people of Canada and their elders past, present and emerging here in Ontario, across our beautiful country of Canada and elders and Six Nations people across the globe. I want to present to you what leadership looks like when we're leading or learning organizations, whether we're in calm and in crisis. And for me, we're all leaders. So when we lead lear learning organizations in calm, nothing has changed. And in crisis, everything has changed. I write in clarity about adaptability, and that was long before COVID-19, but it seems extremely apt these days. How are we managing to be adaptable and live with um, ambiguity and lead through often chaos and crisis? Well, we know that leaders in lead learning organizations focus on people leadership. And we heard Barb talk about that, what we've heard in the last few days about the focus on people, the focus on well-being, and the focus on being surprised when leaders step up that we really didn't expect. That's having adaptability. That's being able to lead in calm and in crisis. Let's take a look at the five big ideas of the research that I've been using for many years alongside Dr. Ken Leithwood at the Ontario Institute for Studies in Education at the University of Toronto. And looking at these five big ideas, I want to chat with you about what leaders who lead learning organizations do in calm and in crisis. So when I think about vision, we know the research says how important it is to build consensus towards a shared vision, how important it is that everyone understands that vision, and how the vision focuses on all students. And of course, that's an equity and excellence issue for me. And what happens when everything has changed due to a pandemic? We know the importance of connecting with our students, whether it's in classrooms or it's virtually. We know it's important to have those familiar routines and know that the importance of building trust actually establishes that vision. And in having a shared vision, 
we know how important it is that we communicate that vision, whether it's using Zoom, whether it's a phone call, whether it's a text, whether it's a brief welcome, whether we're working visually, virtually or in our classrooms. Communication is key. Constantly communicating and articulating that clear vision and that sense of purpose, as well as establishing relationships that build trust. So let's take a look at structure in learning organizations. Well, leaders, and that's all of us, who lead learning organizations really think about structure. And the research says that we must work across silos. We must ensure that silos are broken down. And certainly in this environment, our technology is an enabler to break down those silos, to work across divisions, to work across schools, across systems, across the globe, just as we're doing in this ASIL conference. We know that in having structure, we can share the expertise only if the structures allow. So in considering our time now during the pandemic, we know that we have to have enabling structures that allow us to co-plan, co-teach, co-debrief and co-reflect what we call the four C's. The time is now to actually reach out and learn alongside each other and to keep some stability around the framework we use to evaluate how we're doing. For me, that's the 14 parameters that we first put together, Michael Fullen and I, many years ago. And since then, I've refined in my text clarity. The 14 parameters are really aligned with so many of those frameworks across the globe. They start by understanding parameter one, that shared belief and understanding, to me, is about all students and all teachers, and then all of us having that shared responsibility and accountability for our students and for each other as leaders, teachers, parents, and learners together. In thinking about structure, I remember the old phrase, structure drives behavior. It's the same in calm as it is in, in this chaos presently. So I think about that assessment waterfall chart and how we need to have those constructs in place, whether we're teaching virtually or face-to-face. -face. And to me, the most powerful assessment we can use is when teachers get together and craft common assessments together. And from those assessments, we can determine the instructional strategies we'll use to meet each student's needs. To me, structure does drive behavior and our structure is changed, but our quality teaching in classrooms has not changed. Whether our classrooms are virtual or in a learning environment face-to-face, it's all about ensuring that that assessment waterfall chart informs our instruction for each learner. And our focus in common chaos has to be a relentless focus on quality teaching, 
on knowing every student and knowing how to teach each. Our strategy has always been that every teacher needs to work alongside a knowledgeable other or other colleagues to know how to teach every student. So we say every teacher and leader must be an intervention teacher. That doesn't change whether we're in calm or in crisis, but our tools have definitely changed. And we look at some of the amazing things we've learned in a very short time around collaborative online learning, whether we're using the chat bar, which I love because for me, that's a data collection tool, or it's facilitated breakout rooms that we use in our meetings at the University of Melbourne, or it's screen sharing, or it's the whiteboards. And I've recently learned from my colleagues in Australia to use Jamboard and also Pivot. And one of our secondary teachers told us how Pivot really helps them in learning walks and talks. So the focus of our strategy is still on quality teaching in every classroom, but certainly our environment has changed. And Finally, in looking at strategy, we need to all be able to answer those five questions, just that, like we ask our students. What are you learning? Why? How are you doing in that learning? How do you know how you're doing? How can you improve? And where do you go for help? And when I think about that, where do you go for help? We all need to be able to answer that. Because we want our students to be resilient, be interdependent learners and have true grit, we have to ensure that we've embedded where students and each other go for help when they're stuck. And in this environment, we're looking to technology as an enabler to help us learn together. When I think about learning organizations, I think about culture that big idea of the elephant in the room. And I think about culture as being that construct where we really look to the research that says we need non-judgmental sharing. We need opportunities to fail fast. We need to know the difference between the training we've experienced in using technology and rich professional learning. So everything has changed in terms of our environment, but certainly not in ensuring that we adopt a culture of learning where operating norms and protocols and templates are in place, where teachers are learning agents for each other. And alongside is my favorite word, we're co-constructing meaning alongside each other in learning organizations where cultures of learning are embedded. And finally, leaders in learning organizations know just the right resources to access. And this is certainly a time of accessing the just-in-time, just-right resources. So for me, it's about selecting one very effective, efficient platform that everyone can manage. It's about having that guide on the side, that knowledgeable other who helps us just in time with the technology. 
It's about moving from doing activities to ensuring metacognitive activities where students know how to learn and use higher order thinking skills in all of their learning tasks. So nothing has changed and everything has changed. And as leaders of learning organizations, we must all support each other to be resilient, to be adaptable, to be interdependent. At this time, I'm really excited to introduce to you something that my husband Jim and I and other colleagues across the globe have been working on. Sue Walsh from Australia, Maggie and Mike Ogram from New Zealand and Jim and I have developed an ongoing web-based professional learning tool and suite that really complements my book, Clarity. And I invite you to take a look at our website, www.claritylearningsuite.com. I'm so proud today to launch the Clarity Learning Suite with ASL as our partner. And the first cohort starts in February, 2021. And very soon, the first cohort registration opens. That's on October 8th. Please join me in the Clarity Learning Suite. It's an opportunity to experience strong for professional learning. And we know that strong professional learning has these five components, which resonate for me and for you as ongoing learners and are mirrored in the quality professional learning we offer in the Clarity Learning Suite. Thank you so much for today. Thanks for our chat. Thank you, Lynn. That's fantastic. And, and look, um, delighted to be part of um, partnership with yourself and ACL in regards to the Clarity Learning Suite. That's, that's, uh, that's a fantastic opportunity for schools to get involved. Lynn, I just have a question, um, and, and thank you for your presentation. I, I found it fantastic. It just the five dimensions you explored early on with vision, structure, strategy, culture and resources is one more critical than the other or to do first in order to lay that foundations for impactful leadership and learning or, or can they sort of be done uh, separately? Ah, great question, Sinan. Thank you very much. Uh, for me, it's about sharing that vision and co-constructing that vision. And uh, for me, the others fall into place, but we have to ensure that we spend time hear everyone's voice on having that collective shared vision of what the learning will look like in this organization, in this system, in this school. So for me, we create the vision and then we do the work together. So in a sequential uh, order? Not really a, a sequential order, no. I always think um, we need to hear teachers' voices in looking at our structures and examining uh, what quality teaching in every classroom looks like. It's important for us as leaders to make sure that teachers have the resources they need to do the work alongside of us. And of course, culture is ongoing and challenging to ensure we have that culture of learning. So we're always self-assessing, we're always checking back to see that what we think is happening is really happening in our schools and classrooms. Okay, fantastic. 
where there's been a bit of talk throughout the conference about collective efficacy leading to improved outcomes. Would you argue that the four-cycle co-teaching model uh, and, and FACE's collaborative data model supports this? Um, and if so, is there a framework or a criteria that could be used to measure those measure improvement specific to building that teacher capability? Mm, thank you. That's a huge question. Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, where will I start? Uh, I certainly think that we develop collective efficacy by doing the work alongside each other. So I say how important it is that we build relationships and establish trust. And how do we do that? We mm. roll up our sleeves. We leave our egos at the door and our titles at the door. And we do the work alongside each other. So to me, that defines uh, collective efficacy. And we know it has such a strong effect size. I love the work of John Hattie and appreciate the effect sizes. And we know when we roll up our sleeves, when we learn together, we develop that collective efficacy. <laughs> So how do we measure it? I measure it through our faces, the faces of our students, and we set our own targets for that improvement, what we want to see. And for me, having a visual data wall, knowing not only knowing all the faces, but ensuring <coughs> that uh, we have an intentional action plan for each face. So we know where the faces are, because we've co-constructed that wall and we know what the intentional actions are because we've brought students of wonder to a case management meeting. This is where we build teachers capacity to teach all students. And we also measure our impact in our teaching and our leading. So it's all about student spaces growing and improving and we know why. Thank you, then. Um, I have a couple of questions just coming through uh, the quick the Q&A session here. So I'm just going to throw it to this one. How would you see the balance between establishing systems that have a precision focus whilst also breaking down silos? Mm. Well, uh, to me, uh, systems thinking is everything. And uh, I love the work of Peter Senge. And uh, for us in systems and in schools, we need a clear line of sight to the classrooms and to the students. As systems thinkers, we know where our schools are, how we can support each one individually and differentiate our resources and support to schools. And uh, we know where the students are. And for us as systems thinkers and leaders of, or of learning organizations, we measure our impact by how our teachers and students are progressing. So to me, when I think about putting faces on the data at the system level, it's no different than at the school level. We all have a responsibility to know the faces who are in our care, whether they're principals of schools, teachers, students, parents, the broader community. So systems thing is a tall order for, for system leaders. And it starts by knowing our learners and knowing our next steps in that uh, progression. Yeah, and th there is another question that's just come through. Uh, it's, it's quite an interesting one. Um, how do we address the tension between shared responsibility 
and accountability when innovation and risk-taking or failing fast is outside others' comfort zone? Mm-hmm. It's quite a good question. Mm. That's a that's a big one, isn't it? I, I can remember uh, working uh, with Michael Fullen and we were asked a similar question. And um, it's, ter- it's certainly uh, caused us to have a deliberate pause. And um, what I think about that is that in parameter 14, that bookend, parameter one, shared... Uh, beliefs and understandings, and parameter 14, shared responsibility and accountability. If we truly are responsible and own all the faces of our learners, not just my learners or my school or my classroom, but all learners, then accountability will fall uh, in place and we won't have to hit people over the head with a hammer, with the accountability hammer. So for me, if we're truly authentic about being responsible for all learners in a system, accountability follows naturally. We want to improve and we know what the measures are. Coming back to the student again, isn't it, all the time? Yeah. Absolutely. Lynn, look, I know it's a different time zone where you are uh, today and tonight, sorry. So really do appreciate all your commitment to, to ACEL and uh, thank you for giving up your time tonight and uh, really appreciate it. So thanks very much. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. And uh, I want to say hello to all my friends and colleagues in Australia. We're really missing you and especially your amazing coffee. Thanks so much. <laughs> thanks, Lynn.